What's up, everyone? This is episode 127 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle. And as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast, and my Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. Well, um, like many of you that are listening today, I have had a crazy week. Most of it was my own doing, um, and it was a good week for the most part. I was in Chicago for the National from Wednesday to Sunday. That part was awesome. I started back to work on Tuesday after having the whole summer off. That part was not. I guess I should also add that I tried to negotiate for a new car about an hour ago. Keyword tried. But that's life, and it gives us some perspective to help us appreciate our hobbies. That's part of why we even have them in the first place, to distract them from some of the other things we have to do. So I'm here to talk about the hobby portion today. It shouldn't be a big surprise then that my national recap is going to make up the majority of this episode. Uh, Some of the headlines I would have talked about today are also part of the recap, so I'll just address them there. I'm going to skip the mail segment that I do on a lot of episodes, and if you really want to see some of my recent pickups, head on over to my YouTube after this episode. I uploaded a trio of videos this week. Um, One of them is a lot that showed up um, while I was gone. It had a pretty nice mix of 90s stuff. Uh, And then another video I posted shows off three or four packages of random things I picked up as well. Just search Wax Museum Podcast. It's not too hard to find. Alright, before I move into my national recap, I want to take a moment to remind you how you can support this show. As you guys know, there are costs that go into producing a podcast. One of my goals is to always keep the show itself free. As a result, I've signed up for affiliate programs with eBay and Fanatics. If you'd like to help support the show in this way, go to www.waxmuseumpodcast.com, click whatever store you need to go to, Shop as planned, and the show gets a small commission in the process. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. Hustle, grind, spam, profit. We're the Rip Gods. You're listening to the Wax Museum Podcast. Okay, so as I stated earlier, my Chicago experience began on Wednesday. I didn't actually go to the show that day. But um, I was invited to a dinner where I got to hang out with a group of other content creators and collectors. It was nice to meet up with some people I'd never met before, um, never met in person before, I should say, like Jake Roy, aka 90s B Ball Cards. And then I also got to meet up with some people I met in 2019, like G, aka The Lucky Show or The, the Luca Show on YouTube, and then um, Justin, aka 610 Sports Cards. Now, speaking of Justin, right before I left for the show, I saw that he had picked up a 2003-2004 SP Reggie Miller Auto number to 31 that I had never seen. And I looked at the checklist and it looked like it was a redemption. Well, of course, when I saw him, I had to ask about that. And he said he had never seen it before, but he'd be happy to move it to me at some point during the show. Yeah, obviously that interests me, and it gave me yet another incentive to look forward to my first day on the floor. And um, so like I said, the dinner was fun. Eventually our conversations wound down, and it was time for me to go back to my hotel. Um, Like a minute or two before my Lyft driver showed up, I met Jordan from the For the Hobby podcast and Jean from Arena Design. As you guys know, she designed some of the coolest cards of the 90s. 
Um, I wish I could have talked with them more, but, you know, like I said, it was right before my driver showed up. Right as he showed up, Jean let me know that she had some big news to announce the following day. So that was a little bit of a cliffhanger that had my brain moving like 100 miles per hour on the way back. Um, But it definitely, like I said, it definitely got me thinking. So um, Thursday then, which would be the next day, was my first day on the show floor. And someone asked me about my national goals in episode 126. Well, you know, first off, of course, is meeting with people and networking. But aside from meeting up with people, my card-related goals for the show included uh, finding and acquiring the following. A low-grade Bill Russell rookie, rare Pacers stuff, NBA Finals stuff, and cards that help narrate the history of the game. And I think I also mentioned that I wanted to do some serious digging in the dollar boxes. Well, Thursday morning I met up with Chad from the Pack to the Future podcast, and I had a lot of fun hanging out with him over the course of the morning. I also ran into John Newman from Sports Card Nation, and um, our interaction was brief, but he helped me get into the show earlier than I thought I would, so I want to extend a big thank you to John for that. And um, pretty soon after I got in, I found an awesome dollar box and got a dig before it got chaotic. And I, you know, at at the time, I took that moment for granted. I didn't realize, even though I'd been to the show before, I didn't realize how hard it would be to dig with so many people on the floor later on. So um, I took my time. I grabbed about 10 cards that I needed for my collection, including a 2013 Paul George Silver Prism. And um, then I eventually made my way back to Justin to get a look at that Reggie Miller auto that we had discussed the night before. So Justin was more than accommodating and let me trade for the card at the value that he got it at. So thank you, Justin. I've already posted a couple times on Instagram. Don't be surprised to see it a couple more times in the future as well. That's a card that I'm really happy to land. Um, After I met up with Justin, I um, shot a message to Tim Gallagher. You guys might remember him from this show. Um, he, the first time I think he talked about his collecting history and the second time he presented the top 10 cards of his collection. So I definitely had to make sure to see him. He was the guy that traded me the last card I needed for my signed 7273 top set. And we've become good friends ever since. So, um, every time I talk to him now, I let him know that I will forever be in his debt because of Willie Sejoyner. And um, I mean it. I still can't believe that we met by chance and he happened to have the one card I needed to complete my set. And he personally got it signed in the early 70s. So um, it made for a really incredible end to a nine-year chase. Um, So I got to meet him in person and that was a lot of fun. He was headed back to the West Coast that afternoon, um, but we made sure to make it happen before he headed out. Okay, so from there, um, it was back to the plan. Okay, even though the, the people were part of the plan, it was back to the plan with the cards. Uh, it was back to looking for a Bill Russell rookie. And Chad was still with me at this point, and he got a chance to witness one of my uh, national blunders firsthand. So we saw a booth with some real nice stuff, and I asked the dealer, I said, hey, do you have any 57 Russells? And he pointed to a loose box on top of the table, and he mentioned that there could be one in there. Um, so, you know, kind of in my head, I'm thinking maybe he doesn't know what card I'm referring to. Maybe he's, you know, hockey guy or something else. So I said the first thing that came to my mind, I said, you know, well, you probably wouldn't have a Russell rookie in a loose box. 
And he smirked a little bit and just pointed to the box. So I looked inside, and within the first two or three cards, I saw a, Bar- a Charles Barkley credentials. So uh, I ate crow in that moment, and we all got a little laugh out of it. You know, he wasn't offended by it. He understood kind of what I was getting at. And, and you know, technically there wasn't any Russell stuff in there, but uh, there were some pretty insane cards that I didn't expect for just a loose box. So I guess that's, you know, something you're more likely to see at the National. Now, the same booth had a uh, John Havlicek Soul of the Game sneaker card. And these are numbered to 13. Um, I lost the last one that I've seen on auction, which was in December of 2020. So, you know, when I saw that, it got my attention. It was definitely something I wanted, but I also knew it would eat into my my funds, really, and, and a chance at a rustle. So I snapped a quick picture and I moved on. You know, I thought maybe I'll come back to it. So remember that tidbit for later. Okay. So um, we finished up at that booth and, um, you know, I kind of tried to, I wanted to stick to a plan. And usually when I attend shows, I try to move around the floor in some sort of pattern that assures that I see every booth. And I know this isn't possible at the National because there are just too many things that pull you in too many directions, but I hope to travel the floor in something that at least resembled a pattern. And well, that plan unraveled quickly, but that's okay. And, you know, part of the reason was meeting up with so many people, which, remember, was one of my goals heading in. And one of those people included Kirk. You might remember him from my 2019 recap. Um, And then he's also been on the show before to talk about his Lakers collection. There were a lot of other people, too. I'll name some as we go along here, but I'm not going to try and rattle off all of the names right now. It was overwhelming. But just know that if you came up to talk to me, um, I definitely appreciate you. All right, um, another cool thing about the National is that a lot of big hobby news breaks there on the main stage, and that typically happens in the afternoon. So um, I was tried to be mindful of that as, as I went throughout my day, even though I didn't really make it there to see the news announced live. At least I, you know, I knew I could follow up with it on social media. Um, so on this day, Upper Deck revealed that they had hired Gene and Earl from Arena Design to work on a 2021 Skybox Metal Universe champion set. So that would be the uh, project or the kind of the stay tuned that um, that Gene had alluded to the night before when she was talking to me. So uh, this new Metal Universe champion set includes modern versions of some of their most popular designs, including PMGs and uh, Jamvelaya and Platinum Portraits, I think, um, which I think is pretty exciting. You know, I, I had mentioned not long ago that I thought UD was wasting some of the old Fleer intellectual property, and actually Upper Deck on Twitter told me to stay tuned. So if this is reasonably priced, I might even grab some, but I figure it's going to be pretty hard to find. Um, you know, real quick, one other thought I had about this project is it's, you know, more of a concern. It has nothing to do with the designers, but more so to do with the printing technology, and we've seen Upper Deck experiment with old FLIR designs before in some of the the last NBA credential sets. Um, and then, the, you know, the newer PMGs, we had those that peeled like crazy in the late 2000s. And then the UD retro sets from the early 2010s, they didn't quite emulate the cards that they were based on. So my question then is, is Upper Deck going to be able to manufacture these in a way where the card itself lives up to the design? I guess, you know, only time will tell, but it's a cool little project nonetheless. Like I said, if I can find it at a good price, I'll 
um, you know, I might try and open some. And I really don't do a lot of hobby boxes or anything like that. Okay, so that was a big announcement. And then um, as the afternoon drew to a close, I kept an eye on the clock because I wanted to show up early for Card Collector 2's trade night so I could get a good seat. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to get stuck walking the floor. I didn't want to get stuck sitting on the floor. Uh, I hadn't been able to get to a chair almost all day. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to have a chair for this trade night. So, um, I started heading for the door, but right before I exited the convention floor, I found a booth that had some nice basketball patches. So obviously I stopped and there were two dealers there and I'd already heard one of them kind of make a sharp comment to one of the customers there. So I, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect, but the patches were nice, so I stuck it out. And I ended up dealing with the other dealer. That probably didn't make much difference. I made a small stack and I made an offer that I thought was fair. And of course, you know, the dealer got pretty snippy with me and made a comment like, you know, sixty dollars. It's just three twenties. One, two, three. You know, like he was going to try and tell me how to do things here. So. Of course, I pulled out a 50 and a 20 and I forced him to make change or some, you know, some combination of bills. I don't remember the exact amount. Um, he got the price he wanted, but it made me feel like I was sticking it to the man one last time. You know, sometimes it's the little things. So, all right. So from there, I, I got to where I was meaning to go to, which is trade night. And it was packed and it was fun. Um, I ended up hanging out with Clips and Vols, Big J Sports Cards, Lake Show Cards 30, uh, Arcman 60, Coach ITB, and Deputy Dog, to name a few. I'm probably missing some there. I know G popped in, um, but I'm trying to name the guys that I hadn't mentioned yet. Um, so I did get the table that I wanted, and my strategy in getting the table was also that I was going to lay out stacks of cards on the table and just stay put. Um, originally I wasn't going to leave my card show price tags on the cards, but I thought, you know what, I'll just leave them on there and I'll see what happens. So it, it was kind of like an impromptu card show and I moved a few things just from people passing by and I didn't have to pay the, you know, the card table fee. So that was nice. Um, I also made some pickups throughout the night. My favorite one was an acetate Sam Jones auto from uh, Darren, which I mentioned his username before, but he has an amazing Ronnie Brewer collection. So uh, those of you that have been around a while have probably seen part of his collection. But um, So we finished up trade night, at least the first trade night after that. Jeff and I went upstairs to kind of just poke our head into another trade night to see what was going on. We met up with a few people there. Uh, it was a lot more casual. So it was getting late, and Jeff aka Kukoc ITB, offered to drive me back to my hotel, which was very generous. Um, and he knows I have to mention this. But um, he forgot where he parked in the garage. So, And of course, I didn't know where he was either. So we wandered around and we did our own uh, pathetic cardboard-infused version of uh, Dude, Where's My Car? So the only reason I mention that, it's going to be one of those things that we remember for a long time and, and we joke about in the future frustrating at the time, but uh, probably a, a, a real funny memory that we'll keep looking back on. So we did find the car. Good news. We did find the car. And, and yes, it was a really big parking garage. Um, and I went back to my room. Before I went to bed, I stopped a bit to reflect on day one of the show. Okay. And, and I was happy with what I'd picked up, but I also realized I needed to pivot a little for day two. I saw less than a handful of Bill Russell rookies at the show, and I know there were more there, but 
I had people looking out for me, and we really didn't see much more than a handful. Um, they've gone up a lot in a very short amount of time. So there really aren't any in my range now. I know that was kind of a reach, but I thought I could find one. But no, there's not really any in my range. Um, you know, and this whole time I was trying to be pretty conservative with card funds just in case I saw one that happened to be in my range. Well, you know, I realized, okay, this isn't going to happen. So once I realized I wasn't getting this, it freed me up to pursue some other PC stuff and it freed up some funds there that I'd brought to the show. And that worked out really well because I had some killer finds in the two days that followed. Okay. So that just to recap here real quick, Wednesday night dinner, Thursday at the show and trade night. Moving on to Friday. I'm trying to do this all in order for you here. I had to take pictures on my phone so I can remember, remember this. Um, Friday. Okay, so Friday. Right when I get into the convention, there there was a card that catches my eye. And for a split second, it was for a good reason. I'm like, wow, that Steph Curry Spectre card has an amazing patch. Um, I got close to it, and it was a fake amazing patch a really bad looking one too once you got close to it um i've said this on the show several times before but it bears repeating just because somebody has a fake patch or an altered card doesn't mean they did it um so now i had the dilemma of you know do i talk to this dealer about it do i mention this or do i just let it go well you know i didn't want this card to end up in somebody else's hands and you know, multiple people have an issue they have to deal with because if he sells it, somebody's going to be mad. They're going to come back to him and it just keeps going down the line. So um, I wanted to try and approach him in a way that was both polite and helpful. So I said, look, I'm not looking to buy this card. Um, I am, you know, I do want to look out for you, though. I've studied this print run several times before. All of the swatches numbered to 99 are just plain jersey pieces, just blue pieces, I said, you might want to take it back to the person you bought it from. And then I pulled out my phone and I showed him some examples on ComC. And, um, you know, surprisingly, the guy took the card out of his case. And I went by later in the day and it, and it still wasn't back in there. So uh, kudos to him for seemingly doing the right thing. I guess, um, I guess the evidence was convincing enough because he didn't know me from Adam. So like I said, kudos to that guy. So definitely didn't buy that patch, but... Um, from there I knew, you know, the, the big rush of people wasn't in yet. So I knew I had to get back to the dollar boxes or the low, you know, the value boxes before things got hectic. I could look at all the bigger stuff later. And that, that's what I did. I dug in some boxes. I found a Jeff Foster Sage Auto number to 50, which was nice. Uh, a few other things. And then I met up with Brett from Stacking Slabs. And we've chatted a, a lot in the past year or two. I was on a show at one point. I think I'm going to be on again here pretty soon, so you, you want to look out for that. Um, but it was really nice to finally meet in person. You know, we're both Pacers and Colts fans, so we could commiserate today, together. Okay, um, after this, I made my way to the Breakers Pavilion. And I had stayed away from this place the previous day because, you know, I took it for face value. I thought it was Breakers and PSA. Those are the two signs that I saw there. And those are two groups that I'm not all that interested in. But someone told me, you know, hey, no, you should check it out. And I'm really glad that I did. So as I made my way to one corner, this was pretty soon after I got in there, I saw a card that made me do a major double take. It was a Reggie Miller 2004-2005 UD Ultimate Premium Patch number to 75. 
And even though, you know, that doesn't sound all that rare. You know, a card number to 75 these days, those show up all the time. Um, But these patches are super tough to find now. I've seen three of them come up for sale in the last eight years. And um, I, I thought I had posted about it before, so I went back and did some digging. In January of 2017... Uh, Steve, a.k.a. Vintage Pacers, you heard him on here recently, he made a thread on the blowout forums titled, uh, Post-1986, What Are Your Dream Cards to Own? Well, guess what? I was the first reply, and it was a picture of that Reggie patch number to 75. And I said, these came out when I was in high school and I was in no position to buy one whatsoever. They've since jumped in price exponentially. Well, I can also tell you now they... They have since jumped in price exponentially since 2017 as well. Um, but believe it or not, there was another reason why this card elicited um, quite the response from me. I had tried to acquire this exact copy, 65 out of 75, at least four times prior to seeing it at this show. And I went back and looked at my messages here. So... I messaged the previous owner in August of 2018 and got no response. He posted it on a story again in June of 2019, mentioning he was taking it to a show. I replied, hey, I want this. No response. Then in December of uh, 2019, I got a Daniel Jones Prism Gold rookie that he really wanted. So he reached out to me and he actually replied this time. So I knew his messages worked now. We tried to work out a trade. Um, I felt like the Jones was worth more than Reggie at the time, which it was, although I should have just made the deal, but the deal fell through. And, um, he then listed the card on eBay, but I thought the price was way too high on there and it set for a really long time. In hindsight, once again, I should have just bought it then, but I wasn't really in a position to do so. So I passed, um, I messaged the guy one more time this year in April to see if we could initiate talks again. And he let me know that he traded it at a local show for some soccer stuff. So, you know, that kind of stung. I had reached out about it three times before, and then I didn't even get a shot before it actually got moved. Um, So to see this thing again was a bit of a shock. And the funny thing was, it also gave me a reference point for dealing with the current owners. Because they got it from that guy. They were the people that moved it for that soccer stuff. And I knew then about how much they you know, they were into it. Um, now, that didn't really matter much because they weren't going to move far off their new price. Um, and there was one point when we were talking and I thought the deal wasn't going to happen. But, you know, I didn't even begin to turn away. I, I was not leaving that table. And I think these guys sensed that. So... They worked with me, and eventually we came up with a deal. I shelled out way more than I wanted to, but um, you know what? It's hard to explain how excited I am to own this card, and also the the exact copy that I had tried to acquire multiple times before. For me to see that so many times and to follow that thing around, uh, I just thought that was pretty incredible, so... You know, at this point, I kind of forgot about the Russell, and if I didn't find another card in the day and the half that followed, I'd be perfectly fine. But you guys probably know me better than that. I found plenty more. So let's get, let me continue with uh, this day's summary here. So I rounded out the day with 
um, some more cards and pizza, and then it was a wrap for my second day at the convention. So Friday's drawn to a close. In 2019, that was all I allotted myself, two days. Back then, um, you know, I, I ended those two days and was kind of disappointed, like, man, I really need another day. This year, it was a little different. Um, I was pretty exhausted after two, but still happy to have planned the third. So I didn't regret that at all. And um, I didn't have much of an agenda or an objective for day three except to chill and to meet up with a few other people I hadn't seen yet. Um, I did, though, I did decide, you know what, now that I have the funds freed up, I want to go find that Havlicek shoe card that I spotted on day one. The only problem being, yes, I took a picture, but I did not take a picture of the booth number or I didn't write the booth number down. I just thought, I'll remember where I got it. Um, I didn't. So I went back and forth where I thought it was at the start of day three. Spent a lot of time kind of pacing back and forth and, you know, looking for that loose box on the table. And I couldn't find it, so I came up empty. And around that same time, I ran into Adam McNamee um, on Instagram. And he's, um, or I should say that's his handle on Instagram. We ran into one another in real life, finally. He's commented on my stuff on Instagram. We've messaged a little before and I really enjoyed chatting with him, which, you know, he's a Peyton guy. He's got Pacer stuff that shouldn't surprise you. Well, about halfway through our conversation, he pulls out three cards. Two of them are Danny Granger RPAs numbered to 225. And the third one is the gold RPA numbered to 33, which is kind of funny because I traded for a gold RPA numbered to 33 at the 2019 show. Um, to none other than Zach, aka BDRR. Everything's coming full circle here. Well, um, so he had those cards in front of me, and you know, I thought, well, I definitely wouldn't mind going home with those. So he gave me a very generous price on the trio. Um, I told him I'd, you know, most likely move one of the 225, although I'm not sure yet. I, I have to make a decision on that. But either way, he was cool with all of that, and I really, really appreciate him. Um, doing that for me. Now, that's not all he did for me. After we finished the transaction, I mentioned to him that I was on the hunt for this um, Havlicek uh, shoe card, and I showed him the picture. I don't know how he did it, but he looked at the price sticker, and this is not, you know, it wasn't a fancy sticker. This is literally one of your standard white price tags. He looked at the sticker, and he was able to figure out what booth it was at. He said, oh, there's a booth that has white stickers that has really nice stuff down this way. Let me take you there. And he, I kid you not, he took me right to this card. It was incredible. So once we got there, I offered the dealer a price that was a, a good bit higher than the last comp, um, but also a decent amount below the asking price. And we discussed it a little before I threw out the number. You know, I let him know, hey, I was the second highest bidder on this last one, Um that dealer was cool about it. He accepted my offer, so that's pretty exciting. Um, and I'll likely do a YouTube video on this later, but I'm pretty sure that I found the shoe that Panini bought, um, and it's from a Heritage auction. And I think, literally, I think it's just one shoe. That's what this auction is. But I want to do a little more research before I make that video and kind of match all that up. You guys know I enjoy that, hunting the, the source material. That's kind of my thing. So, all right, so I got the shoe card. Um, and I'm not going to lie, at this point, I was pretty exhausted, and I wanted to take it easy the rest of the way out. So Adam and I wandered back 
to the back wall. We wanted to chat a little bit more. We wanted to sit down. We wanted to look at each other's cards. I had some stuff laid out just so Adam could see it. And a gentleman came over and wanted to trade for my um, 2003 Bazooka LeBron James rookie. It was a PSA 9. So, you know, even when you're trying to rest here, you'll end up making deals. That's kind of crazy and chaotic the National is. So I've had a lot of people interested in that LeBron in the past, but no one wanted to pay close to market value for it. I wasn't trying to gouge anyone. Um, so, But we made a trade. And in this trade, I ended up with a 67 Mantle, Mickey Mantle, that is, yes, PSA 5, a 1993 Topps Jeter, PSA 9, yes, two baseball cards, and a 1992 Topps Gold Shaq Rookie. It's an SGC 8.5. Now, I don't think I'll keep any of those, but... And normally I don't bother with baseball, but I know that these cards are going to be pretty easy to move. I was ready to move the LeBron. It wasn't moving, so now I'm, I can, I think I can move this other stuff. And I had to take a little more value back from the other guy just because, you know, I'm going to get a haircut on three cards now instead of one, but overall I'm happy with that deal. So I made a deal when I was trying to rest. Um, from there it was more roaming around. I met the eye surgeon for the Pacers at the Dropping Dimes Foundation booth, which you know, we only dis- I only found that out because of, of talking with him. It's not like he had a sign out that says, you know, I operate on Pacers eyes. Um, he also told me that he was a ball boy for the last season in the ABA. I didn't expect to find that at the National. He said he had been uh, good friends with Slick Leonard, so we chatted about that a little bit. Um, that was a lot of fun. I met Dr. Beckett, which was fun. You know, like everyone else, I, I poured over his magazine for years and it was nice to finally make that connection. And I, I think we're going to make some content together sometime down the road. So be on the uh, lookout for that. Okay, what else did I see that day? Um, I saw part of the Bill Russell collection that's up for sale with Heritage. They didn't have any major game-worn stuff, but they had a couple of MVP trophies and a few other odds and ends. That's part of the national experience that you need to factor in if you're on the fence about going. Part of it is, you know, just like a museum. Okay, so eventually, you know, everything wound down. I was wound, winding down, um, and I left the show, and I closed the trip out in style by having Taco Bell with um, Jake Roy and Joe. And I, I don't know Joe's last name or his screen name. He says he doesn't do Instagram much, but I enjoyed hanging out with him. They've got a new podcast coming out, by the way, in the future called Sports Cards Uncut, so you'll want to watch out for that. Um, All right, so I flew out the next day after a couple of delays, but I got home, and that pretty much concludes my trip to the 2021 National. I did my best to keep some bullet points on my phone for reference. Uh, I know I probably left a lot of stuff out, but, you know, I hit all the main points for sure. Uh, Okay, so I know in 2019, I did a little recap at the end to talk about everything I came home with. Well, this time there's just too much stuff to talk about here. I hit on all the real big stuff, but I've already made a YouTube video that shows the big cards and also everything else. And it's queued up. It'll be um, loading up here in just a moment here. So you should be able to see that right after you listen to this show. Just like I said, go on my YouTube. It's not hard to find. Just search Wax Museum Podcast. Okay. I do want to close out with some general commentary, though. So there, here are just some other takeaways that I had from this year's show. Number one, 
the crowds were insane. And that's not really anything profound. And this was only my second national, so I don't have a lot to compare it to. But the veterans that I talked to said it only got close to this one year. And they said that was 1991. Now, you know, I wasn't cruising around the show in my stroller, so I don't know. I can't verify that. But if that's true, I want you to think about the timing. Think about what was happening with cards at that point. Makes you wonder if we're headed there again, only with a lot more slabs. Who knows? Uh, Number two, I know people were concerned about the possibility of tons of cameras and content crews. Um, You know, we've seen Lameem and the Spider-Man memes. Um, There were definitely cameras, but nothing overwhelming. I found all of them to be pretty respectful about the whole thing. They didn't really get in the way, which is surprising to me, consider the number of people there. Um, So, you know, very happy about that. Thank you, all the content creators that were there, all the video people. Thank you for... Um, not getting out of hand. I really appreciate that. And I know, you know, people were worried about that and it was just fine. No problems. Um, all right. Number three, I've always kind of downplayed the people that said to eat salads and take naps if you need to. I'm not a nap guy. I don't do it. Um, I burned the midnight oil early on in this trip and quickly realized I'm not as resilient as I used to be. In fact, here we are. It's Wednesday. I think I'm still feeling it. Um, now, and I wasn't out drinking and partying like some people in my hotel. I'm a very low key guy. So I can only imagine how those people feel after the whole thing. Um, but if you go in the future, do what you got to do to take care of yourself. If you have to skip out on an activity or order a salad at a pizza place, there's no shame in that. You don't have to eat like trash just because you're in a certain place, right? That's kind of the mentality. I can only get this pizza here. You'll be all right. Okay, um, number four, I tried to take some time at the start and end of every day to assess where I was at and set new objectives if needed. I think this really helped me keep things in order and it enhanced my experience overall. Um, I don't think I did a bad job with this in 2019, but I think it happened a little more naturally for me in 2021. And I can't help but imagine that my next national will be even better. Okay, and I'm going to add one more on here that I don't have in my notes. Number five, um, after going to the National and seeing all these big cards, these grail cards, and having to prioritize funds there, um, I think it kind of gave me some much-needed perspective during the year as well. I buy a lot of little stuff. I like getting the little stuff. I like sorting it. I like the, the dopamine rush or whatever of getting it in the mailbox. But I also like some of these big cards, and and maybe that's a direction that I need to go. Is I know a lot of people have done the consolidation thing. Um, I'm not going to consolidate into just a handful of cards, but maybe that's a direction that I need to go with my purchasing this year. So just something to think about. Um, who knows? All right. Well, there you have it. I know there will be a lot of different recaps out there. If you're into that sort of thing, I encourage you to check them all out. No two people will have identical experiences, and that's what makes this hobby so fun. Um, I hope to have Justin, aka 610 Sports Cards, on soon so you can get a dealer's perspective. He's a national veteran. You've heard him on here before. You've heard him on other shows. I think that would be fun. Um, Until then, make sure to keep an eye on my social media for some pickups and pictures from my trip. You can find me on Instagram under the handle at Wax Museum Podcast. You can find me on Twitter under at Wax Museum PC.
If you enjoyed today's episode, I encourage you to support the show by doing all of your eBay purchasing through the link on my site, which is www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. There's a big eBay logo at the top. Click that, and it should give me a small percentage of whatever you purchase in the 24 hours that follow. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcast. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store, tag Taco Bell, and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast. Podcast.